36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be seated, please. That piece of paper that you got momentarily, a few moments ago, will uh, come in very handy about this time. Let me make you aware of three things that are out on those glass tables right past the doors in the foyer area. There is a housing sign-up sheet for Blaze. It looks eerily similar to this. Um, there has also been a suggestion on this housing sign-up sheet that if you don't feel comfortable with having people into your house with uh, the COVID virus or maybe bringing a virus in or not bringing a virus in that you uh, could feel uh, free if you'd like to to sponsor them with a hotel room. So uh, keep those things in your mind and if you would like to do either one of those if your intention is to sponsor someone for a hotel room just write the word hotel out beside your name and I'll know where to point and what to do on that end. Out there also is a, is a paper that looks eerily similar to this one. And this is a Blaze t-shirt. If you would like to get a Blaze t-shirt for someone or everyone in your family, fill this out. This has a ticking deadline on it. I'm not going to tell you what that is just yet. No. Uh, the deadline will be October the 14th. That's the second, uh, or anyway, it's a Wednesday in, uh, in October, uh, Nikki Joe needs enough time to make our uh, shirts. If you fill that out, either give that to me or Nikki Joe. Uh, it would be faster probably if you gave that to Nikki Joe. She would go ahead and get started on it. This is an announcement or, a, or an invitation rather. And the, you can tell these are different because they are on yellow paper. It has uh, Be Our Guest, Blaze 2020, October 23rd through the 25th at the 70 West Church of Christ and how to register. You don't even have to speak. Watch how easy this invitation is. That was easy. We had about 100 last year at Blaze. We want to have about 125. I want you to give out all of those copies. When they go away, I will put more out there. Give those away and then give those away and give those away. The only way we're going to get people uh, here with us is to invite them. So, so take those, invite those. If you're older, maybe you have uh, your children's family or you have nieces or grandchildren or whoever. Maybe you want to come. Come on. If you're this group, give them to your friends. Once again, if you don't have friends, get some friends and then invite them. All right, so this paper that you're holding in your hand, I think, I think your eternity is based off of two questions. 
And it's based off of the two questions that you find in capital letters at the top and in the middle of this page. One, are you a Christian? And two, are you a faithful Christian? I think all of our eternity is based off of two simple questions. If you were to go around our city and our society and ask people, are they a Christian? You'd have probably nine-tenths of them say yes. Then if you ask them what they did, they Maybe they couldn't tell you. Maybe, maybe God did it for them. Maybe they asked something or prayed something. Tonight, what we're going to look at is a simple yes-no chart. And it's based off of what the Scripture will say. It's very simple. As we go through this particular lesson, you'll fill in a word or two on the right-hand side to complete the sentence or the question. And on the left-hand side, you simply have to check yes or no if it has been done or has not been done. Let's start. Do you understand the gospel? Do you understand what the gospel is? Look over at Acts chapter number 8. As that gospel has been taught throughout uh, the region of Judea, then to uh, the, or Jerusalem, then Judea, into Samaria, and then all of the world, we find in Acts Chapter 8, they're in uh, Samaria at this point. And when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. So when they heard the gospel, what did they hear? They heard about the authority of God. They heard about the kingdom, rather, of God. Knowing that that is the church, there is a group of people known as the saved and a, a group of people known as the lost. And those who are known by God as the saved are found within that kingdom. They also found out in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 12 that Jesus the Christ holds the authority of that kingdom. He has authority in his name and he has authority in his title. This is the church of Christ that we're reading about. Not the church of this or the church of that or the church of some other thing. This is the one that belongs to Jesus the Christ. And because of that, he has all, mark this, mark this word, A L. L, he has all authority, which means he can tell me how to act and live and, and if I am his servant, then I say yes. In Acts chapter 12 and verse number 8, they learned about baptism. They learned that a man is supposed to be baptized and the things that go along with that in order to be added to that kingdom over which Jesus has the authority. And they also learned that it is gender neutral. For men and women. You find in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 where Paul would write, For I am now ready to preach the gospel to them that are Rome also. For it, that gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. The Jew first and also to the Greek. There is one power of God unto salvation. Do you understand that? Do you understand the gospel? Yes or no? Notice number two, or B in this case. Do you believe the gospel? Hebrews 11, verse number 6. For without faith, notice these words, it is impossible to please him. For without that belief, without that understanding of what the gospel is and my total devotion to that, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to God must first believe that he is and then that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Do you believe the gospel? 
as it has been taught through the ages, as it has been taught by those apostles, and as it has been taught by sound preachers even today. Do you believe those things? If you do, look at number C, letter C. Have you repented of your sin? Now, we, we've studied this word or looked at this word on occasion, and we've noticed that the word means something to the effect uh, of the idea of changing my mind about what sin is, which would result in a change of action. Well, in Luke chapter 13, verse, uh, verses 1 through 5, there's a group of men who come to Jesus who say, what about these folks who got crushed by a tower that fell? What was wrong with them? And Jesus' answer to them was, in our vernacular, sometimes you can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's unfortunate for them. That's unfortunate for their family. And in verse 3 and verse 5, he brings that back around to them by saying, I tell you, nay, nobody's at fault, but except you repent, you'll perish in the same fashion. He's not talking about a tower falling on them. He's talking about that second death. Have you allowed the gospel of Jesus the Christ to change the way you think about sin? Not just all those sins that you don't do, but the sins that you really like. There's something you're thinking about. It's that sin that you really like that you really don't know why that one is, is so bad. You know why I don't think it's so bad? Because it's mine. I'm not that bad of a guy. Have you repented of those things? Have you surrendered your entire life to God underneath his authority? Have you repented of your sin? Yes or no? Are you willing to confess the deity of Jesus the Christ? Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 and Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33. Romans chapter 10 verse 10 would tell us that with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Does confession save? Yes. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 10 but not confession alone. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus would say, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. If you deny me, I'm going to deny you. Would you confess that Jesus is the Christ? That same confession that Peter made just this morning that we were reading about, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Would you say the same words about Jesus that he said about himself, that he is the way, the truth, and the life? Now here's your explanation. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Would you be willing to confess that? Yes or no? Have you been baptized correctly? Focus in on that last word that's mentioned here in, uh, in letter number E. Have you been baptized correctly? We can go to a hundred different places in Acts and see people being baptized correctly. But I want you to focus in on Acts chapter 19 verses 1 through 5. Those disciples that come to Jesus from John, and, or rather to Pete, Paul from John, Paul from John. And they say to Paul, uh, what, what are you dealing with? How are you baptizing? And he says, uh, what gifts have you received from the Holy Ghost? And he said, we don't, even, we don't even know what you're talking about. And Paul would ask then, 
Well, what baptism have you been baptized under? And they would say the baptism of John. Is that baptism good enough? Well, John was a cousin of Jesus. It ought to be just good enough, right? John was preaching the same thing Jesus was preaching. Isn't that good enough? Look here. Here's the answer. Back home, we'd say this. It ain't good enough. Y'all understand those words? It's not good enough. The baptism of John does not save mankind. It is the baptism into the blood of Jesus the Christ that washes away sin. And it's necessary that I'm baptized correctly because herein lies the problem. I can be baptized incorrectly. I can be taught incorrectly and baptized incorrectly and live a life thinking I'm saved by God only to wake up in eternity lost. What a scary thought that is. And I've been baptized correctly. Look at number one under E. Baptism is complete submersion. Acts chapter 8, 38 and 39. Then they went down in the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. What's the point if they're not going under? You don't think the Egyptian carries something to drink with him? You think this is his first day in the desert? No. He's going to have all kinds of canteens in order to survive that trip. Why not just sprinkle a little bit of that water on him? There's an interesting point when the Holy Ghost makes it clear to, to uh, encapsulate for us that they both went down in the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and the eunuch baptized Philip. It's necessary for us to understand that it's a complete submersion. The word baptizo in the Greek, uh, I, I passed Greek with this understanding. Oreo cookies. How many of you like to dunk them? Now, if you dunk them correctly, you have a fork. and You can stick it into the white part and you can hold the cookie under till it gets soggy. You can eat that whole thing all at one time. You don't have to fiddle around with edges, see? That placement of that cookie in that milk, all the way underneath that surface of that milk, is baptism. In its literal meaning of the word. It has nothing to do with baptism from the Bible, but it is a complete submerging of the body. Now, you and I need to understand what baptism is. Look at number two. Do you know in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, baptism is done for the remission of our sins, as Brother Michael read for us just a moment ago so, uh, so wonderfully that, th that they were told to repent and be baptized. For what reason? For the remission of their sins. Not because they already had those sins remitted, but in order to remit those things. Every time you read about baptism in the Bible, Salvation is never mentioned until after baptism. An interesting idea. Check yes or no on that. Did you know in Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5 that baptism is done for the washing of regeneration? It's also found in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4, but we'll get that in just a moment. There, Titus would write by the inspiration of God, or Paul, rather, would write to Titus by the inspiration of God, that that baptism is for the washing of regeneration. 
And every time I think about that, I think about those little lizards who lose their tail. Y'all have those lizards at your house that have the little blue tail, and if you scare them, or I don't know, you, at our house, as you see, if you look at them real hard, that end of that tail falls off, and you get more concerned with that tail that's doing this than the lizard that's running off. He's going to regenerate that tail as God's design would have it. it. The washing of regeneration has nothing to do with the outside man. I can't go and be baptized once again and go back to 20. As a matter of fact, I don't think I'd want to. It's for the inside. It's for the washing of the inner man to regenerate him. Why? Because I have degenerated him through sin and lustful actions and lustful thoughts and all kinds of things. Look in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. Did you know that baptism is the death of the old man and a birth of a new man? It's found right there, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Do you not know that as many of you have been baptized into Christ, been baptized into his death? Do you not know that you've been raised to walk in a newness of life? That that old man is dead? What about 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 21, uh, especially looking at verse number 21 as it relates to all of those? Do you know baptism saves man? And you say, well, preacher, I've heard you say several times that baptism alone does not save. Well, that's correct. I didn't say tonight that baptism alone saves. I also didn't say tonight that confession alone saves. But it is part of it. And baptism is the last part of putting on Christ. And so let's answer that first question. Because if we don't answer the first question right... We don't get the second question. Question number one, are you a Christian? You are if you have done these things. Now I want you to look and look only at your list. If there's a place where it's checked, no. In this list, if there's a place where it's checked, no and you are of sound mind and of age enough to understand right from wrong, I'm going to tell you what's happening right now. You're lost because you haven't followed God's plan. But there's good news. You don't have to stay there. You never have to stay there. As long as you have breath in your lungs and time on this side of eternity, you don't have to stay where you are. You can move. You can do those things tonight and be added to the Lord's church. You can be covered with his blood. You can be a, a, a citizen of his country. Now, if you answered yes to number one, or rather if you answered no to number one, then you need to take care of number one. However, if you answered yes to number one, then let's move on to your question, question number two. Are you a faithful Christian? A, do you understand faithfulness? 
Revelation chapter 2, verse number 10, the latter portion of that verse, Jesus would say there, Be ye faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of righteousness. That does not mean and has not ever meant that you be faithful up until a point to where you're threatened with your life, and then you can back away. We sing the song, How Deep the Father's Love, and as we look at verse number two, it begins by saying, Behold that man upon the cross, my, my sin upon his shoulders. What if he backed away? Then where's my salvation? It lies strictly in his sacrifice, and if he was faithful up until the point where they killed him and then he backed away, he never would have been that sacrifice at God's appointed time in God's appointed way. Do you understand faithfulness requires your life? Jesus gave his, the only begotten son of God gave his life and you expect God to say you don't have to give yours? What kind of God do you serve? He would require something from one son but not the other children? <laughs> what kind of God do you serve? Here's a God that requires those same things. It required Jesus' life. It requires me giving God my life. To quote the great apostle Paul by the inspiration of God in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I become a living sacrifice. Do you understand Faithfulness? Do you understand that the temperature of the seat on which you sit now does not regulate faithfulness? And you're looking at me crazy. You can't heat the seat and go to heaven. Do y'all know that phrase? It's not just that. Sometimes we look at that and say, well, that's how you can tell if a person's faithful or not. No, that, that is an indicator. But that's not the only way. How many of those good, faithful, strong men and women Christians that, that we have in our congregation haven't been here to transfer their body heat onto those pews because of sickness, because of being shut in? So I guess since they don't come, they're, no, they're not faithful anymore. Oh, you better guess again. Do you understand what faithful in attendance means? That's the next one. It's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 26. In verse 25 there, the Hebrews writer would write this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, while we see the day approaching. Look at verse number 26. For after that, if we sin willfully, there is no more sacrifice for us. Imagine what he's saying. And it's especially looking at the idea of attendance in this particular uh, point. If I choose to sin, sinning willfully, that Hebrews writer, by the inspiration of God, writes this, that there ain't enough blood in the Christ to cleanse me. Think about that. After I sin willfully, there, there, there's no more sacrifice for sin. At one point I turned away and at one point walking after him and then you decide to, to follow after self again. How many more Christs have to die in order to keep you faithful? 
Do you know what it means to be faithful in study? That's number uh, two there. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There are a few things you need to know about this verse linguistically. This is a personal verse for you and not for anyone else. You, this is the understood subject, you study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman. That means you're going to stand on your own two feet and give an account for your study. which hurts in a society that says, I don't know, let me ask the preacher. Are you faithful in study? What Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16, are you faithful in the workplace? Let your light so shine that men may see it and glorify your Father which is in heaven, verse number 16 of Matthew chapter 5. Michael and Angela and I have it easy. Our workplace is real easy. Sometimes we see each other. Sometimes we don't. When we're all three here together, it's a whole pile of Christians. When one of us is here, then it's one Christian. We don't have to worry too much about outside influences where we work. But the bad news is y'all don't work here. You may work out there where there are some outside influences. Do you have a light there? Sometimes we treat our lights like they're flashlights and we don't want to run those batteries down so when we walk through the doors, we'll click them off so we can have enough light for next week. Oh, shame on us. Are we faithful in the workplace? Look at number four. Are you faithful in love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. You have faith, hope, and love abiding, but the greatest of those is what? Is love. Why? Because in eternity, faith will be no more. We'll see all those things. Love will be the only one that's lasting. Can I see people have compassion on them? Can I see people the way that Jesus sees people? And this particular one is for me more than anyone else. Can I do it? Am I faithful in love? Notice number five. Are you faithful in the commands of God? John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. How, easy, how, much more, uh, how many more commandments do we need from Jesus on that one? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, flip that coin over. You know what he says? The antithesis of that is, if you don't keep my commandments, you don't love me. And you say, wow, that's, that's kind of direct, preacher. Well, it is. It's as direct as if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Look at the next one. In verse or number uh, six, are you faithful in the commandment of giving? 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, we give on the first day of the week, and we can look at all five acts of, those worship, uh, those of the worship service as we look at this one particular one. And every one of those are commanded in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47. And those things are commanded to be done on the first day of the week, Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7. 
And those are a couple of what, what is known in the world as ungetaroundable passages. They say what they say. And we're commanded to follow after the commands of giving and all other acts of worship unto God. Notice verse 7, Am I com uh, faithful in the commands of my prayer life? Even in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, where it says pray without ceasing. If God only hears from me to know how good my food is, I'm not really communicating with him. I'm kind of reporting, isn't it? These pork chops are good. Thank you, Lord. Let me go get busy eating them. Find those quiet times and those quiet places. Speak to God in the same way David through the Psalms would speak to God and pour your heart out to him. Pray about your family. Pray about your, your spouse. Pray about your children. Pray about what's going on here and what could be going on here. Pray for our elders. Pray for our deacons. Pray for our preachers. We need it. Pray without ceasing. Do you understand faithfulness? And number, number B, do you understand that a man or a church can start a faithful life and become unfaithful? Here are three verses. Philemon chapter 1 and verse 24. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14. 2 Timothy 4 verse number 10. In those three verses, a man by the name of Demas is mentioned specifically. And when you and I hear his name, we automatically go to 2 Timothy 4.10. Because that's the lasting impression that we have of him. But you read those first two verses, you'll find out he is a fellow laborer and a worker with Paul up until he lost his mind and went over into Thessalonica looking for something else. He started out faithfully. He didn't end up there. Did you know a church can do that same thing? Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. All seven of those churches started out well, started out following after what God would have them do, and only two of the five remained that way. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of Ephesus, or Ephesians rather, read the book of Ephesians, and what you'll see there is a church God would put on display because of their good works. And he would say, in this attitude, follow after them. They're doing fantastically. By the time you get to Revelation chapter 2 and you begin reading in verse number 1, you find out that that group that Jesus would say follow after has left their first love. Oh, my goodness. Can a church turn away from God? Absolutely. Can a person turn away from God? Absolutely. So, brother or sister, if you have put on Christ... Let's go back to, to question number two. Are you faithful to him in all aspects of your life? Because the long and the short is this. Those are the only two questions in life that matter at all. If you have a no checked on your page, You find yourself in opposition to God's law. You find yourself needing to either be baptized or be restored. Good news. We're going to take care of that need right now while we stand and sing for your encouragement. Oh, Jesus, I 